The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us on a Sunday morning, we would love to have you be our guest. Service times are 9 and 11 a.m. We hope you'd consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting a donation amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Hey, good morning, ACF Church. How are you guys? You doing good? My name is Brian. I am one of the pastors here, and I'm just glad to see you. You made it. You made it to church. Um, I don't think we celebrate enough that you made it to church. So well done. You made it to church. I know that Sunday morning sometimes is when everything falls apart. Uh, you know, if, if, uh, if the pipe's going to burst or if something's going to go wrong in the house, it's going to be Sunday morning. And so, um, hey, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. We're in a series called The Code, and we're going to get into that here in just a second. But I just wanted to tell you guys, Easter is coming. It is just a couple weeks out, and we are so excited about that. You guys are going to keep hearing about that. Um, we've got a great weekend planned. We have our, our Good Friday service called Thief. We have Saturday, we're doing the Easter egg drop, which I am absolutely stoked about. Um, that's all coming together. Somebody was like, are you guys really going to drop eggs out of a helicopter? And I'm like, if we're not, this is the cruelest joke that I've ever seen. I mean, hey, kids, we're so excited. And yeah, no helicopter. No, there's going to be a helicopter. There's going to be eggs. And so many of you have stepped up and, and served by putting eggs together. Um, we've asked for 100 volunteers. And I think with the people that have been putting eggs together, we have over 100 that have signed up. So give yourselves a hand for being involved with that. That is awesome. I love it. And, and you guys, listen, that, that just means a lot, I think, to the movement of our community, that God is doing something within the whole church. And you guys want to be a part of that, which is exciting uh, to me. And so be thinking and praying about who you're going to bring with you as well to Easter service. Um, you guys need to get your tickets today. We got tickets out in the lobby, so make sure you don't leave without getting tickets for your family as well as for the people that you're going to bring with you. Um, this just really helps us know what the seating looks like because we often run out of room on Easter and Christmas. And so we do tickets they are free. We're not selling tickets. You don't need to scalp them in the parking lot. So um, anyway, grab your tickets and and uh, make sure that you, you get that all set up for that weekend. I was reading a, a Tom Rainier statistic that said seven out of ten unchurched people have never been invited to church, uh, which is weird to me to think about that. Um, and I think many times we just get uncomfortable and we think, well, they're just going to say no anyway. But I feel like as the church, our, our responsibility isn't uh, their no. Our responsibility is to give them a chance to say yes, right? So that's our job. It's just to say, hey, come be a part of this. Most people are open to coming to church on Easter. You know, grandma's going to go to church. I guess we'll go to church on Easter with grandma, um, whatever may be the case. But people are more receptive this time of year. And we as the church want to utilize that to get them here. And we're just going to present the gospel. We'll be doing baptisms that morning. Uh, excited about that. And I think you might have seen on your seat some information about baptisms. So get signed up if you would like to be baptized that morning. But it's just going to be a great celebration. And we're, we're excited for that. So bring some friends with you. Don't come alone. Um, well, you can't come alone, but bring some friends with you. Uh, that would be awesome. So we are in the code. And this week, 
Um, man, we're going to we're going to talk about some real stuff and we're going to open. Uh, we're, I'm going to read a chunk of scripture here in Matthew 19. And so if you want to open up to that book, Matthew chapter 19, that's where we're going to be hanging out today. And I'm going to read, I think, maybe the biggest piece of scripture that I've ever read up here teaching. But uh, I'm going to let it speak for itself. And I think it's a it's a it's a good hard truth for us in the church today. But uh who likes water parks? Does anybody enjoy a good water park? I love going to a good water park. Um, I was in in uh, Wyoming in high school, and in Denver, there's a there's a it's called Elitch Gardens, and Elitch Gardens has this big water park um, attached to it. And so we used to love going to Elitch's and going to the water park for the day, and just really gotta enjoy that. And our youth group, we do these whole youth group trips to Elitch Gardens, which was really exciting. We'd get 20, 30 of us together. We'd load up the vans and our youth pastor, you know, he'd, he'd drive us down to Denver and we'd spend the day just soaking up the sun, riding the water slides, enjoying that. And so this particular week, I'm probably 16. He tells me about the trip and I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to go. And he's like, well, you know, this girl's going. And I'm like, I'm there. I'm there. This was the cute girl in the youth group. I mean, she was awesome and I wanted to impress her and I wanted to go to the water park with her. So I'm like, okay, I'm there. And so we go to Denver, 20, 30 of us spend the day out enjoying the water park, having fun together. And my youth pastor and I were, we're good friends. Um, and, and we kind of had a, had a joking, fun back and forth relationship. And so we all day long, we we're messing with each other. And, and what we were doing, we would get, we'd come up behind the other one and just sort of yank on their shorts you know, just to kind of give them a hard time, just, you know, a little little tug because because nothing's more terrifying than when you're in a crowd of people and somebody yanks on your shorts. And so this was the game of the day. Yank on each other's shorts, you know, just to kind of mess with each other. And so we spent the day doing this uh, back and forth. And the day comes to a close and we're leaving the water park, walking out into this big courtyard area. There's hundreds of people around and we've got our whole youth group, you know, with us. And I'm walking next to the girl, right? And, and I'm working my swag as much as swag as I got at 16. You know, I'm working whatever I got with this girl trying to impress her. And I'm in front of the whole posse, the whole youth group. They're all behind us. We're walking out into the courtyard and, and, uh, you guys are already seeing where this is going. And, and there's, there's hundreds of people around and I get this feeling of impending doom. You know, this sensation like, I just need to, I need to tighten my, my drawstring on my shorts. And so I, I reach down to, to pull the drawstring and my shorts go immediately to my ankles. And these are, these are swimming trunks. And so I got nothing. You know, I mean, I am just in front of the world here. And, and I was just, I was frozen in time. I it just terror in my face. And I, I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. And, and everybody around me starts freaking out. I, I, I don't know. I can't move. I don't know what, what to do, you know, and for whatever reason, in some kind of weird delayed reaction, I, I reach around to try to grab the shorts that were already at my ankles. And instead of grabbing shorts, I, you know, grab something else. And so it was just, it was just embarrassing. And so I reached down, I get the shorts up and I, I turn around to be consoled by my loving youth pastor who is leaning on one of the students, just crying, weeping his eyes out, you know, because he just thinks this is so funny. He tells me later he thought I was, you know, wearing gym shorts and I might've had boxers on or something, which I was not, but it was, these are the moments that make me the man I am. I just, and I feel like I need to share these things with you because this is, this is part of who I am. And these are the stories that create us. And this is cheaper than therapy. And so, um, that's my wounding high school experience. It was, it was a bad, it was a bad day. I was, I was embarrassed, you know, but you know, our first, your first tendency when you're exposed is to 
cover yourself. It's what you do, you know. Um, land the plane, Brian. Where are you going? So we are going to talk about generosity today. And generosity is a difficult topic to talk about. And whenever somebody starts talking about generosity in the church, specifically in the area of our finances, the first tendency is to just cover our butts, right? So I mean, it just, that's, that's our natural reaction. I mean, just look way back to the garden, you know, with Adam and Eve. When they realized that they were naked, what did they do? They made clothing to cover their nakedness. As people, what we naturally do is when we feel exposed to the world, we try to cover our butts. It's what, it's what we do. So just to kind of break the mood, look at the person next to you and say, you've got a butt. Well done. Well done. You do. You've got a butt. We've all got butts. We all have butts when it comes to this conversation of generosity. It's, it's just natural to try to cover ourselves and to try to come up with reasons why we don't need to hear God on this topic or, or even to say, no, I have got this nailed. I've got this figured out. And I want to tell you, we don't. We don't have this figured out. We all have uh, something uh, to learn from this. Even, I believe, even if you don't know Jesus today, even if you're here um, and, and you don't follow Jesus, I think that there's something for you in this topic of generosity. And so Matthew chapter 19, 23 uh, is where we're going to start. I'm just, uh, actually, let's, let's get back, 19 verse 16. Let's start with that. It says, And behold, a man came up to him saying, him being Jesus, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep if you would want to enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, all these I have kept. What still do I lack? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect Go sell what you possessed and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich man or rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and follow you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, In the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left their houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and last first. So lots of truth there, right? Lots, I think, for us to soak out, up out of that for the church today. We are going to talk about finances a little bit. If you are new here or if you are not a Christian, uh, don't worry about it. When the, when the plate comes by, this morning's on us, you know. Uh, don't worry. We're not asking about anything from you. So just relax. Um, so here's my question. Are you a giver? Do you see yourself as a giver? I think 
You might say yes, you might say no, but we're all givers in one way or another. We all give. Uh, we give time to our kids. We give, uh, occasionally we give forgiveness to a friend if they need forgiveness. We give energy to our passions. We give, uh, finances to our, you know, we gotta buy food. We gotta have a house. Uh, we've got the things that we enjoy doing. We, we give of our finances, you know. We give our attention to the things that matter to us. We are all givers. We're all givers. Everyone gives, but not everyone is generous. Not everyone's generous, but we all we all give. We choose uh, what we want to give to and how we give, whether it's our time or our our finances, whatever it may be. We give a lot of things. And so the question I have is, what is generosity then? So what does it mean to be generous? Uh, Some of the terms as I look this up that are used to define generosity are unselfishness, benevolence. Charity, liberality, free giving and open handedness. This is generosity. And that's kind of the topic that we want to talk about today, because I believe that the church should be the most generous people on earth. We should be the most generous people on earth as those paid for in full by Christ. We live with open handedness in everything that we have, everything. Not just our money, not just our time, but absolutely everything that we have, we live open-handed because what of, of because of what Christ has done for us. And so the question for today is, how do I become a more generous person? It's a great question. So that's kind of where we're going to spend some time today. So we're going to pray, and then we'll continue on. Dear Jesus, we uh, we invite you here as we talk about generosity, Father. And I just ask that you would speak to our hearts. God, that you would move within us and and challenge us. God, that you would keep us from making excuses and just covering our butts. God, that we'd be challenged by your word and move closer to you, Father. We know, God, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. We know, God, that you have covered us with grace. But, Father, we also know that you have better things in store for us, better things planned. So, God, would we just reach out for what's next in our lives? God, would you challenge us and grow us? And God, would we do it all in the name of Jesus? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How you doing? You okay? We're doing all right so far? You still with me? A couple of you? Awesome. Very good. You guys can respond. It's okay. This is interactive. So the code for the week. We're in a series called The Code. And basically what we're doing is we're saying there are different codes that we live by as a church and personally. And we want to want to identify those codes and, and talk about those things so that we might live lives on purpose. And so the code this week was we lead the way in generosity. We as the church lead the way in generosity. We see our lives as paid for in full by Christ on the cross And our posture is open-handedness with all that we have to give. That's our code. Is that a good code? Yep, that's a hard one, though, isn't it? It's a hard one. I'll be honest. So the rich man, he, he comes to Jesus and he says, What can I do to inherit eternal life? He's almost as if he's saying, Jesus, I'm pretty awesome. Like, I'm a pretty good guy. I've done a lot of good things in this life, and I've pretty much nailed what it means to to be a a, a Christian. And so I want, I want you to know I'm doing really well, but I just I get this sensation that there might be like one more thing. You know, I, I feel like I'm I'm almost there, like I've almost achieved what I need to achieve to inherit eternal life. And so I feel like I've almost done it. But Jesus, I, I want to ask, is there one more thing that I need 
to do. And Jesus, his response is brilliant. Jesus cuts right to the heart of this rich young man. And he says, sell everything that you have, give it to the poor and follow me. And it says that he walked away grieved, grieved or sad is another way of of, of defining that word. He was sad. He was he was discouraged. He walked away downtrodden because of what Jesus had said to him, sell everything. So clearly this was not an option. Clearly, clearly the man walked away going this this I cannot do. I have made it to this level of holiness, but I cannot come over the peak. I cannot do what you asked me today. Why did why did he walk away grieved? What, what was it that happened? Was it was it just his unwillingness to do it? I think I think the real message of message of Jesus when Jesus speaks to you, you will always walk away either humbled or offended. When you hear the message of Jesus, you will walk away humbled or offended. I've experienced that in my life. I've been offended by the message of Jesus. I've been offended by pastors who are speaking on the message of Jesus. Or I've been humbled and I've walked away changed by it. And this man, he walked away offended. He walked away grieved. He wasn't going to do what Jesus called him to, you know. Jesus, he smashes, smashes this man's religious views. The man's like, hey, listen, I can do this. I can, I can achieve this. I can just add one more thing to my to-do list, and then maybe I can enter the kingdom of heaven. I think this is, this is a philosophy so pervasive in our culture, is this feeling that, man, if I just did one more thing, one more thing, if I got this one more thing figured out in my life, then maybe I would be acceptable to God. And Jesus, he doesn't have anything to do with it. He's not going to play games with this guy. He's not going to just talk about, you know, philosophy, something out there. Jesus gets right in this man's kitchen, you know, and deals with what was was relevant in this man's life personally because he knew his heart. And he said, listen, just sell everything that you have. And that can be hard, right? It's pretty hard when somebody just speaks about something that's right up in your business, right? It's hard. And you might walk away. I, I pray nobody walks away here today grieved. I pray we all walk away today humbled. This man, he walked away grieved. Uh, I I pray we walk away humbled by by God. But he smashes his religious views. He won't have anything to do with it. I heard a pastor say this. He said, Christianity is like an explosion that destroys everything you have to make way for something new. It's not just this addition. You You can't add a little Christianity to your life. It was never meant to be that. Following Jesus is an all or nothing thing. It's not like just, if I just do one more thing, then maybe I'll be in. Then maybe I'll be saved. Jesus has nothing to do with that. He says, no, I want everything. And so he cuts to the core of this man's heart and he found the one thing that he wouldn't give. Which is hard and convicting. And Jesus makes this this point. And the point is basically that it's nearly impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. He says that talks about the the camel and the needle. And I've heard all kinds of different ideas about what this meant. Like there was this gate at the city that, you know, the camel had to go through called the eye of the needle. And when he had to go through the gate, he had to bow and crouch down to get through the gate. I don't know. I just kind of think there was a needle and a camel. And Jesus is like camel needle. Nope. I just, I think that was it. I I just, maybe that's too simple, but I I feel like that's all there was there was like camel needle, very hard. You can't miss it. This is, this is it. Jesus, Jesus is saying this is very, very 
hard. He's like saying there's a snowball's chance in Miami that rich people can get to heaven, right? It is difficult. So then you, you have to ask the question, well, what's the deal, Jesus? You got something against people with money. Is it, is it about the money? And then, you know, as I was studying, it's like, no, there's guys like Abraham and Solomon and Isaac and David and, and, and Job and Joseph, all men who followed God but had lots of money. They had a lot of money. There's, there is a way to follow God and have a lot of money. But Jesus is saying it's hard. It is hard. And I don't know if, I don't know if you relate to the rich young ruler. I, I think of this man and I think it's interesting that he was young, which maybe meant that he, he was born into financial wealth, you know? I mean, it's one thing to get rich as you've worked your entire life to make a lot of money and you've just labored and, you know, blood, sweat and tears to get to where you are. It's another thing to be a young man and to have lots of money at a very young age, you know, to be completely provided for, to never have to worry about where you're going to get your next meal or having a roof over your head or having clothing. To have that at a very young age can set you up to be pretty confident in yourself, pretty confident in your finances. Jesus knew this and he spoke right to it and he blew the man's philosophy apart. I'd say his philosophy was kind of like this. A lot of us have this. It's almost like there's this line, this horizontal line, and there's the good people and there's the bad people. And our job this entire life is just to try to do enough good stuff to get across the top of the line, right? If I do enough good things, I can get over the line, and at that point, I become a good person. I am in the kingdom of God, which kind of works at first as you start to think about it, and then down the road, it just starts dissolving as you think, well, where's that line? Who draws that line? You know, I can be around one person and be like, I'm pretty awesome. You know, I'm a pretty good guy. Look at him. I'm pretty amazing. And then I'm around somebody else, you know, and I'm like, I stink as a human being. I am horrible. It just it depends on who you compare yourself to. Right. And so Jesus comes in and he says, there is no horizontal line. There's only a vertical line. There's this vertical line. There is those who have been covered by the grace of Christ and those who have not. And both the wicked and the, the, the good and the righteous can get in. Whether you have a tendency to make a lot of bad decisions and you feel like your life has been you know, destroyed by a lot of bad things that you've done, or maybe you've lived a pretty good life, you've done a lot of things, you can be on either side of the line. Do you see that? You can be on either side of the line. There's in, in the kingdom of God on this side of the line, those who are good, act good, those who don't act good. There are those out of the kingdom of God, both who act really good and those who don't. Do you see that? You see, that's, that's a totally different grid to look at the world with. That's, that's a totally different way of seeing things. This man, he had this vertical line or horizontal line way of looking at the world. If I could just do one more thing, you know, I can be good enough. And Jesus says, no, there is no horizontal line. There's just, there's just my grace. Will you receive it? And the man walked away grieved. Verse 25 said, When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? This was terrifying. They're like, Wow, Jesus, that's a pretty high bar. But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Jesus makes this point. Salvation is impossible without God's help. Salvation is impossible without God's help. You just can't do it alone. You just can't be good enough. You just can't, you can't, you can't make it. I mean, if you talk to any of your friends that, that don't follow Jesus, that are like, well, if, if there is a heaven, I just want to, 
what do they say? I just want to be good enough. I just hope that I've done enough good in this life to make it. Jesus blows that out of the water, says that's just not possible. It doesn't matter if you're on this side of the line. I don't care how good you are. You are not in the kingdom of heaven. And so he singles out the rich man, you know, he says he says money has this power to to uh, to put our spiritual health on the line to. I think that and I, and I see this. I see this in my life. I see this in the world around us. This tension because money can be really powerful and really good, right? Like it can be a great tool be used for so many good things. We read in the, the Proverbs. There's a lot of good stuff about money and there's also a lot of warnings about money. There's a lot of warnings. It's kind of like fire. You know, when you keep fire where it's supposed to be in your fireplace, it can be very good. It can warm your house. It can do a lot of good things. But when it gets out of the fireplace, it can burn your house down. Right. That's kind of like money. Jesus is just saying, be careful. Be careful. Verse 30 said, but many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Jesus is saying those who lay down their rights in this life, those those who sacrifice in this life will experience 100 fold in the next. And I believe even blessing within this life and blessing might not look like what you want it to look like. But I believe following God and trusting him, whether it's with your finances or with your time, whatever the resources may be, trusting him with all things will result in a blessed life. I believe that I believe you will be blessed and you will have pain and there will be struggle and there will be difficult times. But you will be a blessed person because God will be on the throne in your life. He will be the one who you worship. So here's the bottom line. God wants the things that you just won't give him. Whatever that thing is today that you're like, I, I've given you everything, God, except for this thing over here. It may be money. And, I'm, and I would say that um, in, in the church today, it, for many of us, it is. That's, that's at least part of it. There's, there's probably a lot of things. I would say uh, the things maybe that, God, that you just won't give him. Because I've got a lot of things that I just won't give God completely. And I believe he spoke to this man on finances because he knew the man. He knew his heart. And he said, this is the thing that you won't give. This is what you lack So our goal today as we continue on is we're going to talk about being generous. We're going to talk about being generous, but not just in our finances, but also in our forgiveness and in our faith. Three areas just to, to grow in our generosity, in our finances, in our forgiveness, and in our faith. Because our goal, like I said, is to be the most generous people on earth. Because we serve a generous God. And this is really important because I feel like as the church, we are always presenting God to people. We're always telling people something about God. And when we live lives that are not generous, you know, when we hold back, whatever it may be, I I believe we're saying something about God. We're, We're actually speaking our theology of God in the way that we live our lives. Who is this God? Well, look at the Christians. Do we reflect the generosity of God? Do we reflect the generosity of Jesus? Does our lives look like Christ? I hope they do. And my prayer for us today is that they would look more like Christ as we leave this place. So we want to be generous. We don't want to just give. I don't want to just, I don't want you to just give today. Maybe you're going to walk out of here like, man, I need to forgive this one person. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Or, or, okay, Brian, uh, you talked about money. I'm going to toss a couple bucks in the plate. We'll get a good offering today. That's awesome. You know, 
Or I'm going to step out in faith in this one area of my life. I don't want us to just give. I want us to be generous people. Because giving is something that you do. Generosity is something that you are. I want us to be like Christ. I don't want us to just act like Christ, you know. Do you see the difference? I don't want us to just fake it, you know, or act like it or just do it occasionally. Although that's part of the training process. Like, okay, my heart's not in this right now, but I'm going to do the right thing, you know. Which for me, that's how it is always with giving financially. I can't stand it. I like money. And I know that. I know that it's, it's got a place in my heart. I see it even when I was a kid. I see growing up. Um, I'd, I'd spend the summers on the farm with my grandfather. Te- he'd be teaching me how to make money. And like I would roll it all up, you know, and I have this wad of cash in my pocket. And uh, I'd spend the whole summer just growing that wad of cash. And I would just feel like a rock star with a wad of cash in my pocket. I don't just something about it. And so I know that that's got a propensity to pull me away from Jesus. I know it does. And I've seen it in my life. And so um, we're going to just talk about three different ways that we can grow in generosity. Uh, you still with me? Yep. Okay. Awesome. A few of you. Sweet. <laughs> hey, if one of you walks away not mad at me, that's awesome. So number one... Number one is this. I'm just kidding. I'm not worried about it. Uh, and that's the thing. We read God's word. God's word speaks, doesn't it? It's powerful. Number one, live debt free. Live debt free. This is the part we see our lives paid for in full by Christ on the cross. And so on a basic level, we've all got financial debt. Well, not all of us. But many of us have financial debt. The, the statistics show that about most of us have $15,000 worth of, you know, general credit cards and uh, financial debt and close to $23,000 in college debt. Mr. your average American household. Lots of debt floating around. And if you are struggling with financial debt, uh, I just want to encourage you. We are constantly rotating through our Financial Peace University classes. And anybody that has gone through that will tell you, do it. It is so good. Uh, we went through it as our in our life group. And I'm telling you what, I I think I know a lot. And man, I went through that class and I'm like, man, I don't know anything about finances. I got to get my life straight. I got to get some things in order. And, and so I walked away really, uh, really convicted to grow in a few areas. And uh, we are just seeing a lot of good stuff coming out of that. People get out of that class and their marriages are better and, and they're more generous than ever. And you know what? They're more financially stable than ever. It's weird how that works together, doesn't it? It's weird how you could be generous, more generous than ever, and more financially stable than ever. That is possible, and and there are ways to do that. And so that's been awesome. But I don't want to just talk about money debt. I want to talk about soul debt. I want to talk about debt in our soul. Anybody ever feel like you've got debt? Like just kind of weighed down by what? you've done in your life like you've got debt in your soul see we as as the church we don't want to give to pay bills we don't want to give god, give to god because like oh I, I you know i had a bad weekend uh was like i heard like a country song once where he talks about tossing a, a 20 in the plate for what i did last weekend and what i'm going to do today you know it's like all right it's going to be a bad day better put a couple extra bucks in the plate this week you know we don't give because of debt that's not why we give we give debt free. Isn't that awesome? Financially, when we, when we equip the body of Christ to do what it's supposed to do through our finances, we don't do so because, because we're trying to buy our way into heaven. There's no debt you're paid for. 
You are cleared by Christ. And so that's a beautiful way to give, isn't it? Who wants to give just, that's just a bill. Nobody wants, anybody wants another bill? I don't want any more bills. Giving to God isn't a bill. It's an opportunity to be part of the kingdom work of, of God, both here and, and in just people's lives. As you, as you see somebody with a need and you just meet it, you know. One of the things that we learned in that financial peace class was just to have a little money available. And so Amanda and I, we just, we, when, we, when we give our, uh, put our paychecks in, I pull out a $100 bill and I keep it in my pocket. And, and I've had so many opportunities that have come up to give that $100 bill away. Just having it available has been amazing. And so it's, it's such a blessing to do that, not giving from a place of, you know, of where it's like a bill, but because we want to, because we want to be generous. So how about in your forgiveness? How do you live debt-free when it comes to each other, when it comes to forgiveness? Um, I've seen this in my life. I've got a tendency to keep a ledger with you, uh, with my wife, with people in my life. I've got sort of a list of wrongs. And uh, anybody else struggle with this? Am I alone? Um, I tend to kind of keep a list. And I, I have a pretty bad memory in some areas of my life, but in this area of my life, I am sharp as a tack. I can, I can remember things that have happened. I can remember things that people say. I have a list, a ledger a mile long in my life that I have had to, I've had to just slowly weed out of my life. I think Jesus wants us to live debt-free with each other, to offer forgiveness to everyone and anyone. Because of Jesus. Jesus doesn't just cross things off the ledger when you do something right. He doesn't wait for you to redeem yourself. He literally destroys the ledger. So we, who want to look like Jesus, what do we do? We get rid of the ledger. We get rid of the ledger. We live debt-free with each other. We, we, we realize that, listen, I've been forgiven. So who am I to hold unforgiveness against you? And so... Live debt-free in your forgiveness. Live debt-free in your faith. In your faith. When you step out in faith, when you, when you follow God, whether it's in your finances or any other way, live debt-free. And what I mean by this is when you follow God, do you, ever, do you ever tend to think God owes you something? You know? Like, okay, God, I'm going to do this, but you better come through in this way or that way. I'm going to do this, but you better operate like this. You better come through with this promise. I'd say, listen, live debt-free in your faith. Walk in faith. When God calls you to something, step out, trust him, believe that he'll, he'll make it all work out the way it needs to, and just step away and just let it work. Live debt-free. God, God doesn't owe us anything. We are merely bond servants to Christ. It's such a, it's, there, there's so much peace in living debt-free in these areas of our lives. Number two, start a rhythm. I think we need to start a rhythm. I'm a musician. I like rhythm. Let's start a rhythm. We need to get into a rhythm in our finances. This is the tithing talk. Everybody ready for that? So we need to get into a rhythm in our finances. I, um, I didn't used to tithe. I, before I got married, I never tithed. But I, I, was, I, w- I had a job, and so I was making pretty decent money. I had almost no bills, and I was living in a junky little apartment with my buddy. And so I had, like, I had nothing to spend my money on except for myself. It was awesome. And, uh, and so like, but then occasionally I would get convicted, like, okay, Brian, you're being greedy with your finances. And so here's how I gave is I would wait for like a need to show up somewhere. Um, you know, and, and so this is what I did once this girl was wanting to go to Mexico on a mission trip and she needed like 
a lot of money. It was going to be, I don't know, 1500 bucks or something. And so I thought, man, this is my chance. You know, I don't, I don't give it all, you know, but when I do, I like to take credit for it. So, um, <laughs> and so she, she, uh, she needed this money and I, I, this particular night I knew where she was. She was at our friend's house and her car was parked out front. And so I tracked her down like, you know, serial killer style and went and, and, and I had this, this envelope of money and I stuck it underneath her windshield wiper and I, you know, I, I wrote my name on it and then I, I walked away and, uh, and then I sat in the car and I watched this weird. Why did I do this? But like, I wanted to see her. I was like, I was so excited. And so she came out of the house and, you know, I see her like pulling the envelope off the front of the car and opening it up and she just screams and runs back into the house. And I was like, yes, you know, so this was my routine for giving is, um, it's compulsive, you know, it's like when I feel it, you know, when I, when I can get an emotional high and, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to bless somebody, you know, we give gifts all the time. They know who it comes from. Um, there's nothing wrong with experiencing that. You don't need to park in front of anybody's house. That's weird. Um, <laughs> but I, I think there's something to being in a rhythm. There's something to consistently disciplining this part of our lives, which is what the tithe was about. The tithe, tithe is just this Hebrew word for tenth. And it was this idea of giving your first and your best to God. It wasn't, it wasn't as if, go, well, God, once I pay all the bills, I'm going to give you what I got left. It was, it was no, God, I'm going to give you the first and the best. You didn't give us leftovers, so I'm not going to give you leftovers. I'm going to give you my first and my best. That was the, that was the idea of the tithe. Uh, I was reading a statistic this, statistic this week. 12% of Christians in the church today uh, tithe or give 10% of their income. 12%. So that'd be maybe this little corner. Um, you guys are in luck. So this little corner uh, of the room would be the, the, the tithers and the rest in, in most churches are giving um, less or none at all. And so that's just the reality of, of supporting a local church um, and, and the ministry that we do. Uh, you guys need to know that every week lives are being changed through what happens here. You guys are supporting what happens here. And many of you are very generous. Uh, and many of you are on the road towards uh, becoming more generous, you know, and you've, you've started the process. You're like, all right, Brian, man, I'm starting at 5%. I can't do 10. I can't do it yet, but we're, we're starting at five. And I'm like, I just want to cheer you on. Do it. Do it. Start the process. Start the journey. You know, we can get into the, the theological conversation of the new covenant in Christ. And, you know, we can talk about, you know, how, how Christ fulfilled the old covenant. So we're no longer under the law. We don't have to tithe. Listen, that's not what this is about. We're not going to go there. I can have that conversation. But one thing that we read in scripture from Genesis to Revelation is this idea of generosity. You cannot deny it. And this idea of giving our first and our best to God. And so we just have to, we have to be honest with ourselves and go, is what I'm doing to support the local church, to support each other, is it our low, is it, is it our first and our best? You know, some people will say, thank God that the law is gone and now I can give, you know, 10 bucks in the plate and that's my first and my best, which it would be if you made a hundred bucks this week, you know, I mean, that's, that's a good place to start, but I, I make more than that. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you do, but. We just got to be honest with this. Start somewhere and get into a rhythm. Get into, get into it consistently. Do it consistently. Just make it a rhythm. And, and if you're struggling here, financially giving here, I mean, it's just, it's concerning because I don't know if, I don't know if I'd want to trust a church with my soul that I couldn't trust with my money, you know? 
And we, we're teaching your kids downstairs. We're, we're using finances to, to bless the community. I want you to trust that. And if you have questions about that, we'd love to answer any questions that we can about how that's, how that's being used. Um, but just get in a rhythm. Get in a rhythm and, and start. I think that God's going to bless you through that. Get in a rhythm of forgiveness. This is hard. You know, have you ever forgiven somebody and woken up, woke up the next day and realized you got to do it all over again? Anybody else deal with this? I thought I was better. I thought that we were cool. And then I saw your name come up on my cell phone and I realized we're not. I realized I still have a problem with you. We need to get into a rhythm in forgiveness. And, and, and this might mean just writing these things out. Taking this personal inventory of all of the things that you've done and all of the things that have been done to you. And having this, this list that you go through. And you might go through it once and pray through all this and go, listen, I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let this go. And you might wake up the next day and have to do the whole list all over again. But this is the process. And slowly over time, that list is going to get shorter. And it's going to get shorter. And you're going to start to live freer and more at peace with each other. Where you can see that person's name come up on the cell phone and you don't have to like puke in your mouth a little bit. You know, like, uh not them again, you know, where you can, you can wish people best, the best. And so get into a rhythm, get into a rhythm of faith, get into a rhythm of faith. This means when God speaks, you just do it. When he's speaking to your heart, you just do it. And I have seen in my life that the more I get into a rhythm of hearing God, the louder his voice gets. Anybody ever, anybody else experience this? Like the, the more that you just trust him when he speaks to you, the more that you hear his voice, the louder it gets. I'm always going, God, why don't you speak to me? And I just can imagine God going, well, because you're not listening. You don't want to hear it. But the more I hear, it, the more I follow him, the more that he speaks, the more I can hear him speaking. And so get into a rhythm of faith, a rhythm of just God says, do this, do it and just see what happens. See what happens when you just trust God. And the last thing that we're going to do today that we're going to talk about is let go of control. This is the last way to become a generous person. Let, just let go of control. Maybe this is the most difficult one. Here's what bothers me. I, uh, I eat pretty well. I try to be a good dad. I try to live a decent life. Um, I pay my taxes. And I'm still going to die someday. I mean, it bothers me. Like, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, as far as I, like, I feel like I'm trying to do the right things, you know. I'm gaining some headway, and yet I'm still going to die someday. I have no control. Nothing offers the sensation of control like a pocket full of money. That's the reality of it. So we have to let go of Control. I think a lot of people see giving at the church like a, like a tip at a restaurant, you know. Like, uh, just walk this with me. At a restaurant, you don't pay if you don't eat, right? You don't pay if you don't eat. So if you don't come, then you don't, <laughs> you don't give a tip, right? Certainly not. And this is why I encourage you, like we talk about getting in a rhythm of, of using our online giving. I think that's a great way to start. Just go online. You can set it up on a routine basis. That's what we do. And then you know it's, you know it's consistent. You know, at a restaurant, you only pay for your meal. You need to know that you're paying for the seat next to you. 
You're paying for the people's seat who come in second service. You are paying to keep this place going so that the people that come on Easter will hear the gospel. You're paying for Easter eggs dropped out of a helicopter. You guys are all part of that. Let go of control. Number two, how do you let go of control in your forgiveness? I think the reason that we don't forgive is because we feel like we're letting them off the hook. When really, when we hold on to unforgiveness, we're only hurting ourselves. So I encourage you, let go of control when it comes to forgiveness. Let them off the hook so that you can let yourself off the hook. I think unforgiveness is our way of saying, God, my justice is better than your justice. I don't know what's been done to you, but I think we hold on to unforgiveness because we're just worried that if we let it go, that maybe God won't come through. But I I just, I want to tell you, he will. God's justice is better than ours. Let go of control when it comes to forgiveness. And then in your faith, just trust God. Step out, even when it doesn't make sense. When he speaks, just follow. There's uh, Christians a lot of times talk about this idea of uh, putting out a fleece. Have you heard of this before? I'm putting out a fleece. It's referring to this guy named Gideon in Judges chapter 6 where he's, he's been told by God to gather the Israelite troops to go defeat the Midianites. And he goes, well, I'm not so sure that uh, that was God. Give me another sign. And so he says, I'm going to lay out this fleece. And if there's, if there's dew on it in the morning, then God is speaking to me. And so it's, people talk about, oh, I'm going to lay out a fleece. And again, we have to read scripture and understand not everything is prescriptive. You know, we have descriptive and prescriptive text. We're just, this is what he did. This isn't necessarily what we're supposed to do. We have to let go of control in our faith. We, we just need to hear God. We don't need to be just, okay, God, if you want me to do this, a blue car needs to drive by, you know. If you want me to do this, make them say this to me. Or, you know, if you want me to take this job, uh, this letter needs to come in the mail. If you want me to, I need to get this email. Like we're forcing these signs upon God instead of just trusting him and saying, listen, I can't control it. I don't need to control it. I'm just going to trust that God is speaking and let him work out the details. So back to the story of the rich young ruler. There were two rich young rulers in the story. And I don't know if you caught this. There's the man that walked away grieving, and there was Jesus, the richest ruler ever. So you've got this man, and Jesus said, listen, the one thing that you lack, the one thing you hold on to is your money. It's the one thing that is keeping you from having a relationship with me. He would have to give it all up. Jesus didn't say give up a little bit of it. He knew this was so ingrained in this man's heart. You need to just give it all up. It's all mine anyway, God says. So just give it up. And he walked away grieved. And then we see Jesus, the richest man who ever walked the earth. God himself comes to earth. He had an opportunity to save us. And he chose to put on the skin of humanity. Philippians 2, 6. I want to close with this passage. It says, Christ Jesus, who thought, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, 
so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus had all the money in the world at his fingertips. He was a king. He came off of his throne and gave up everything that he had to save you and me. That's generous, isn't it? That's generous. He gives us, he gives us forgiveness generously. He trusts us. I mean, think about that. God trusts you with the local church. He trusts you with ministry in the world. He puts faith in you. And he gives you resources. And he says, use them for the kingdom. So I believe today, I think that we can respond as a church generously because God has been so generous to us. Let me pray together. Jesus, we, uh, we, we ask that you would speak to our hearts today. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the conviction that it brings in our hearts. God, I just want to confess personally and, and as a community, God, that, that money is an issue for us. That many times, God, we, we trust in it more than we trust in you. God, I want to confess that I withhold forgiveness from people. God, that I, I make a list and I don't let it go. God, would you help me to have the discipline to, to be consistent in these areas in my life, Father, to just trust you. God, and I don't walk in faith like I should. God, I know that there's so much out there for me, Father, and I just, I'm always thinking twice. I'm always asking for another sign. I always want proof, God. I just, I want to control it. And God, you are the creator of the universe. God, you keep the heart beating within my chest. God, I can trust you with everything that I have. I pray that for myself and for our community. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.